You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. What caregivers don't know about a patient's culture can hurt people and organizations too. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael S. Woods. Dr. Woods is a practicing surgeon in Santa Fe, New Mexico, founder of Civility Mutual and editor of the book Cultural Sensitivity, a guidebook for physicians and healthcare professionals. Dr. Woods, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much, Susan. What led to your interest in cultural sensitivity in medicine? Well, we live, as you all know, and I'm sure your audience knows, in a world that is both blessed and complicated by multiple individuals from all over the world. We are the melting pot in this country, and in many ways it's it's more complex than that in that it's more like an ethnic salad. Many people move to the country but maintain many of their cultural beliefs and expectations as it relates to their world here in the United States. Why is cultural sensitivity so important? There's a big disparity in healthcare in this country, regardless of ethnicity. That is, I believe, compounded by our profession's poor understanding of, of the ethnic peoples that we care for. And this is compounded, of course, by communication or or a lack of communication, perhaps, which is best illustrated simply by different languages that we can occasionally encounter. Language is just the first of the obvious barriers that can stand between a physician and a patient in terms of understanding. There are a variety of other cultural beliefs based on the individual's ethnicity that can really get in the way. And because of this, and because of the need for healthcare understanding, uh, of patients, which results in increased safety, which results in better compliance and outcome. It's very important that we understand where our patients are coming from. How many Americans are foreign-born? The last time I looked, it was probably around 37 to 40 million. It's been about a year since I really looked into those numbers, but the last time I checked, those were the kind of numbers that we're talking about. What are the most common mistakes doctors make in this area? I think the most common mistake that I see and that I that researchers in this area see is that physicians have the impression that if they treat all patients equally, if they are treating them with what they perceive to be respect, that that's all that's really necessary. In fact, we can miss a great deal of, of nuance in the relationship that can affect compliance in a very negative way if we make those assumptions. Give us an example. I work in an area that has a great number of Latino individuals of a Latino heritage. Uh, Some were born here but maintain a number of the cultural beliefs from either Mexico or even deeper into Latin America than Mexico. And there are many home remedies that can be utilized within the Latino culture, and some of them can actually be quite toxic. An example would be taking a powder called azarcone, which is spelled A-Z-A-R-C-O-N, which is an herbal remedy, but actually is quite high in lead. And this is often utilized or may be utilized by this particular ethnic group to cure stomach pain. And it's very important, for example, for me to be aware that these sort of things can be taken and to ask specifically, are you taking any home remedies? 
since lead is obviously not a good thing, even if the perception by the individual is that this is exactly what I need to help my stomach pain. So outcome can be affected by a lack of understanding either on the part of the physician about something that a patient is doing that is a home-type remedy, or conversely, simply a lack of effective communication between the two on very basic levels. What do you tell patients in that particular circumstance? It's important to be sensitive to the fact that they do have traditions. It's important to help them understand why, in medical terms, in Western medical terms, that this is something that is perhaps not a good idea. And I think if a physician takes the time to explain and can explain in terms that are understandable to that individual, they can get past that particular situation. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Michael S. Woods discussing cultural sensitivity. Dr. Woods, describe what it means to be culturally competent. Cultural competency is really awareness combined with some technical skills that can be learned. Communication, of course, is a learned skill. So it's really a set of skills, a certain knowledge base, and I would also add is actually an attitude by which we're going to approach individuals within our practice. How can doctors become more culturally competent? I think the most important thing is to be interested. The only thing that limits anybody from improving in terms of cultural competency is willingness. To begin becoming culturally competent, one should try and understand, first of all, your own culture, as well as the biases that that might bring into your life. And we all have those. And trying to understand that and then keep that in the context of sensitivity towards others from different ethnic groups, I believe, is very important, and understanding what those differences are. Obviously, the awareness of other cultures and the values and beliefs of those cultures is something that requires some time and study, but is really not all that daunting. In our booklet that you mentioned, written by Jerry Ann Galanti, Jerry Ann breaks down each ethnic group into five basic areas, values, worldview, and communication, family and gender issues, cradle to grave, in other words, death and dying issues, and health-related beliefs and practices. And just by knowing even one to two or three bullet points under each of those things can really serve an individual very, very well. Describe the e-learning course on cultural sensitivity that I'm guessing goes with this book. It can. It was designed to go with the book in the sense that it flows very similarly to uh, the handbook. The online course is much more extensive than the booklet. It covers the nine or ten ethnic groups that the booklet covers, but it goes into more detail in terms of taking the participants through case studies as well as helping them with interactive question and answer sessions. Give us an example of an ethnic group with one of those categories and the bullet points involved. Sure. Let's just talk about Native Americans, which are also an ethnic group that I tend to interact a lot. For example, uh, family and gender issues. The extended family is very important in the Native American uh, culture, and 
many times if one individual is ill, the entire family will become quite involved. Decision-making related to the family varies with the kinship structure. And while patients will often make their own decisions, there are certain tribes that will push decisions all the way up to the leader of that particular tribe, even related to another individual's health. So one that is very striking is the concept of informed consent with Native Americans. And I do need to to point out that Native Americans vary within that ethnic group itself. Uh, So, for example, the Navajo may think very differently about some things than, for example, the Hopi. But by and large, there's a mistrust of documents, of paper, which may relate way back to the time when there were so many violations of treaties, for example. We've had tremendous difficulty in getting paper patient satisfaction surveys completed, and while it's probably quite a complex issue, there does seem to be some level of mistrust about how that information will be utilized if it's on paper. How about cradle to grave? What do practitioners need to be aware of? There are a variety of practices, obviously varying by ethnic group, that might seem strange to U.S.-based or Western-trained physician or healthcare individuals. One example is the Hmong, the Southeast Asian group, basically some of the Cambodian refugees, when a mother delivers their child, may want to take the placenta home for burial. And that is related to a spiritual connection for the the baby and the mother. What ethnic groups are covered in the e-learning course in the book? Just going down the list, African Americans, Anglo Americans, Asians, East Indian, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, Native American, Russian, and Southeast Asian. We're just getting ready to come out with a revised edition, basically a second edition of the cultural booklet. We're going to be including the Jewish faith and retitling the East Indian section to Southern Asian. So we're very excited about that. How can listeners access the e-learning course? They can email me directly if they would like, and I can give you that if that would be helpful, which is mwoods, that's M-W-O-O-D-S at ACT. Civil.com. That's A-C-T-C-I-V-I-L.com. Dr. Woods, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Susan. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.